A very warm welcome to Happy Times and Places. It's a podcast. My name is Toby Haydock. I watch an episode of Doctor Who. I throw in some facts, some observations and some memories, all the while trying to guess what my special guest's favourite thing about this episode that they've chosen is. Welcome and enjoy. Hi, my name's Joe Llewellyn. I am a Doctor Who fan from rural Northern California, and we're going to talk about Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone. Uh, these two episodes are the fourth and the fifth episodes of Doctor Who I had ever seen. Uh, I saw these before Blink and before uh, um, Silence in the Library, Force of the Dead, and um, it's just one of my still remains one of my favorite uh, Doctor Who stories ever. Uh, I've seen. Since I've gone back, I've seen most of the uh, the classic series. I'm trying to get through all of them. And I just really uh, thank uh, Toby for this opportunity to talk about this uh, this, this story. Um, uh, see about a little bit about me. Uh, no no blog, no podcast, no nothing like that. Uh, just uh, like Doctor Who. I work in social services. I've been doing that for about 23 years. I've also been in the California Army National Guard for almost 35. So um, I've already filmed all my favorite things, and this is the last uh, bit I'm trying to get done, um, kind of in timey-wimey fashion, which is appropriate for this story. All right, let's go. Oh, what a lovely intro for those without pictures, which is all of you. Joe did record that as a video and he had a lovely snowscape behind him. I'm really excited about this. Joe, unlike uh, the usual contributor to Happy Times and Places, is someone I have never met. And indeed, somebody uh, of whom I had no knowledge until I started doing these podcasts. And he was somebody that popped over to patreon and started sending messages which is something you can do through the system and uh uh we've gone back and forth and back and forth and it's really fascinating because he and i have i mean almost nothing in common in terms of uh, background uh, and and indeed you know when we came to the show as you heard uh, this was the, this was the fourth episode of doctor who joe watched he's watched pretty much everything now and in fact he's watched some some classic who uh, as a result of or to prepare for the happy times and places so i've 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 kind of um uh, uh, dictated his schedule if you like uh, <laughs> well no because he didn't have to but he's chosen to and it's been it's been lovely uh, sort of hearing him going oh I'd, I've been saving this one I've never seen it before and I love it because of this that and the other and we email about uh, other things and it's it's fabulous that somebody who as I say m- my life experiences are totally different uh, to Joe's and obviously we're from different countries uh, and of different backgrounds and all sorts of other things and we are united by one thing and one thing alone and is that that maybe we both have the TARDIS as uh, to, to indicate a text message? Sorry, I'm just covering the fact I've got a text message on my phone. I don't know if you heard that. If you did, it wasn't the doctor landing in my living room. It's what my uh, text message noise is because I'm pathetic. And I need to advertise the fact that I'm a Doctor Who fan in case anyone isn't sure. Um, and yeah, that Joe and I are united simply by the fact that we both really like Doctor Who. And I really like hearing joe's feedback from joe's perspective and uh which as i say we chat occasionally on uh, email and uh, and on patreon and all sorts of other things so i thought why not get him to contribute to this because he's got a lot of really interesting things to say uh and he's also chose some new who and i remember when this was new new who i remember this was when this was freshly minted who 
uh, sorry, there was a brief hiatus there, which you won't have noticed unless there's a slight uh, edit. Uh, I had a malfunctioning fan. Uh, no, 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 in the utility room. No, it wasn't somebody in a, in a, in a tank top with NHS specs tied up going, I think you'll find Polly's surname was right because there's a document. Uh, not that kind of fan uh, <laughs> malfunctioning. Um, uh, it just uh, it was making lots of awful noise. So uh, anyway, I gave it a bit of a... Gave it a bit of a dust, and hopefully it will not send uh, the scree- screeching EBGBs uh, through the sound system and into your ears at home. And we can get on with watching this episode of Doctor Who, which did have a rude interruption, actually, uh, on the time of broadcast, which I'm sure I will vent about <laughs> at length come the episode's conclusion. But it's all a love-in at the moment, as Joe Llewellyn, whom I have never met, but uh, I'm a, an admirer of and uh, certainly a willing correspondent with, uh, is going to take us through the time of angels. I remember when this was new. Uh, this was very early in uh, Joe's Doctor Who journey, quite late in mine. Uh, it's only the fourth episode in Matt Smith's and Stephen Moffat's tenure at the top of the show. So, uh, but uh, But filmed... Uh, prior to, I think, The Beast Below and Victory of the Daleks, wasn't it? Was it filmed? It was filmed prior to pretty much everything, I think. So let's see how we go with time, the time of angels in three, two, one. Now, this is... Mike Skinner from the streets. I did not know that at the time. I had a joke in Moth Saint, my Doctor Who scarf uh, about saying um, it was something like um, saying the memory cheats to a Doctor Who fan is a bit like going up to a fan of the streets saying, uh, how can that be, that be music? He's just talking, um, which used to get a huge laugh. And I took it out eventually because the streets didn't seem to be what they slash he once was but i i actually very much liked uh, the music and lyrics of the of the streets they were he he i think he's a he, he's mike skinner from but is he the streets himself i don't know i don't know how rap works <laughs> if it is and is rap i'm sure it's 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 its own subgenre anyway he was a famous music fellow um and in fact when i was struggling to get people for for to complete the entire run of doc 2 for happy times and places i did go on twitter and facebook and go does anybody know the bloke from the streets because i thought he might be the easiest person to get if i, I ended up getting stephen moffat um, uh but that's a, a a very sort of uh you know it's a it's with he's he's i don't think i got that the first time around he's the security guard who who has been kissed by river song and of course he's not really in a field and that's as we'll see with the with simon dutton when they come and when they come and apprehend River Song, uh, where she is in the airlock, um, but it's uh, it's it's got a fun cameo, and I think he'd, I think M- Mike Skinner had tweeted, "Oh, I'm going to be in Doctor or something," or, or tweeted something about Doctor, and immediately then had to take it down. Uh, and probably what seemed like a fun little cameo job to him suddenly seemed like a maximum security thing. He's going, "Oh, sorry, I only asked." I only <laughs> but anyway, this is a very Stephen Moffat uh, beginning, a mystery. An enigma, a bit of sass, a gag, um, uh, and uh, I remember watching the eleventh hour in a pub organised by Jeremy Bentham, uh, an event 
Jeremy Bentham, you know, the 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 Doctor Who fan of your uh, venerable uh, elder statesman of Doctor Who fandom, uh, uh, had organised. Uh, he'd he'd organised he organised season premieres quite a lot when when I was in London, and it was great joy to me to feel like I was part of something, to be invited to those, and to watch with a load of like-minded people the season premiere of Doctor Who. Uh, in a in a pub in London where I was enjoying living, and uh, when River Songs, when a clip of River Song appeared at the end of the eleventh hour, um, <laughs> she's great, isn't she? Um, uh, there was a big cheer in the pub, uh, and it had surprised me because I hadn't I I, I hadn't realised how much people were looking forward to her coming back. I I had thought, I mean, I I will take this with me to the grave. Um, uh, he's it's, it's quite a nice part for Simon Dutton, um, uh, but he's you know he's he's gone before the opening titles, um, but he was the, he was the saint. Do you remember when they did a they revived the saint uh, uh, some years ago now, and uh, and he was the kind of lead, um, and he's so you know brilliant casting for the sort of s- smooth talking tuxed guy here, and it's a nice a nice part for seeing as it's only a couple of scenes. Um, uh, but I always wonder what actors like him do who you don't see for ages and then come and do, you know, nice bits in things. I'm, I'm, I imagine he probably, I don't know, does he run a hotel in France or something and then just deigns to act every now and again? That's what I, Or maybe he's a really a spy. Yeah, I like that idea. He actually dresses like this in real life, being an international man of mystery, then occasionally comes and acts. That's that's what I'm, that's that's the glamorous lifestyle I want to ascribe. To, so I'll probably find if I look him up on IMDb now, he's been consistently working, just not in things that I've I've seen. And that can happen where you suddenly go, where's that guy come from? And you look at him and go, oh, they've got 200 credits. Uh, they've just not been in the things I've been watching. Um, but he's perfectly cast in this. Um, I, I mean, I worry, because this is, this is funny, obviously, and 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 uh, you know it's a gag, and it shows uh, her, you know, her confidence that she's going to be picked up by the doctor and all of that sort of thing. But I do worry on the other side of it that there's three men there in an airlock who might get sucked out into space and killed. Um, but that's because maybe I need to develop a sense of humour. I don't know. Um, but he's and I love this. I love this music. I love this uh, this Murray Gold theme for for this doctor. I'm pres- I'm pres- oh yes and and of course because the ship crashes as well so they do die those people do die but I'm so even if they did as I've just thought they oh they shut the airlock and they were fine uh, they die soon anyway um so yeah I remember when this was new I watched this ha having watched the eleventh hour in a pub with loads of Doctor Who fans I watched this in a travel lodge in Preston because I was doing the the late lamented frog and bucket comedy club in preston and it was not busy either uh but i i trooped down to it after the episode and took my eye out on the scant crowd anyway here we go so um yeah because adam smith is uh uh he, he directs these two doesn't he in the 11th hour and then we we never see him again in fact we but we also don't see andrew gunn do we the director of victory of the daleks and the Beast Below, which had been a kind of both, I think, the morning after the night before, hadn't they, of, of the 11th hour, which is, I think, possibly the best the best launch that any Doctor's ever had. It's a terrific, I mean, but I love Power of the Daleks, but uh, <coughs> it's a really strong episode. It's a really strong start to an era 
that that was the dust from the fan, by the way. Um, it was a really strong start to an era, seeing as we were a blank slate, you know, and we had a whole new team having to establish themselves. And they established, and it was a it's a brilliant establisher uh, of of the show. And then Beast Below, which I'd be interested to do one day. Which I, I, I remember people at the time saying it was it had been the best script any of them had ever read, but it it, it didn't quite translate into that on screen and victory of the daleks is a is a strange beast um it goes from being a sort of power of the daleks pastiche with winston churchill in it to a launch for new rays range of toys in a tobacco factory um uh and 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 they'd sort of shown that there were chinks in moffat's armor in a way because he'd been so i mean you know each of his stories were you know very the, regarded as the best or close to the best of each of the seasons they were in and I was certainly a very you know strongly looking forward to him taking over because I, I loved all of his episodes that he did under Russell T Davis um, but I remember and this is what I will take to my grave I do like this TARDIS as well but um, and I like the colour palette that this this whole series has um, I will take to my grave with me the fact that Rachel who is a regular punter at my comedy club, XS Malarkey, who is a lovely person, who is not a Doctor Who fan, um, wrote to me and said, so who is this River Song? After Silence in the Library, Rivers, um, Forest of the Dead, um, and said, who is this River Song? And, you know, when will we see her again? And blah, blah, blah. And I went, no, 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 no. She was particular to that story. The whole thing about that story is that it's a, it's a heartbreaking story that has been told off stage. We, we met her for the first time and she dies when we meet her and the tragedy of the doctor is that he's got this story that he will live with her uh, and and we've come in on the end and it's a clever thing of time of going oh the first time they meet is the last time they meet and that, uh, it's a very Stephen Moffat idea and it's there in that wonderful two-parter as a sort of emotional core to a very spooky story about a haunted library of flesh-eating dust monsters uh, and I couldn't have been, and I and she was like, no, but surely because they've set this up now. I was like, no, no, that that the whole th- the whole thing is told in that story, uh, and of course I was completely wrong, and I don't know what I'm do- talking about, and I will give my Doctor Who card back uh, on the admission of that. And I remember there were some photos of this flying around, weren't they? We, these were the early looks we got of uh, the Matt Smith Doctor, and I have to say. I remember there were there were rumours that, uh, you know, he wasn't up to it. Um, you know, I remember being told by somebody that, you know, oh, the, you know, the word is he's 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 not very good. Well, obviously that word was not true because um, you can't have watched any of his performances in his early shows and not think he's absolutely amazing. So that was just gossip and slander. But I th- I think there was trouble with this. We'll talk about we'll talk about. Um, uh, one of the soldiers later because something happened there um but anyway here we are here's um i do it i mean i like all the doctory bantery stuff i like moffat's clever clever dialogue i like the 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 relationship between river and the doctor it's it's a bit like romana and the doctor you know we don't mind the doctor being cut down to side the doctor's actually a bit boring if he's an all-conquering hero. I quite like that the Doctor is the one that got, you know, 49% in his exams. I, I like the fact that, that River Song uh, 
you, you know, can can cut him down to size a little bit. But, you know, in the final acknowledgement, she knows he's amazing and the best thing ever and the real hero of the story. So, but it, it makes for a, 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 a bantery dynamic. I mean, I understand people who think that maybe Moffat's Doctor is all bantery stuff, but if you can... If you can write witty dialogue, um, do it. Um, Karen Gillan is is great, isn't she? She's, uh, I mean, I, I you know, she's absolutely stunning. Um, you know, they're 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 a great. You know, I'm thinking about Shuti Gatwa and Millie Gibson now, and how you know those publicity photographs are really selling the show. Uh, and and you know i think i think i think matt smith and karen gillan have a similar slightly more idiosyncratic maybe but you know they they are they make for great pictures i love ian glenn's performance in this i think he's absolutely terrific i made the mistake i remember when i when i interviewed moffat about this i suspect he would have been much happier very kind very kind of him Stephen, to give me his time for my stupid podcast uh and uh, uh but I, I i talked to him about time of angels and i talked to him about you know ian glenn and he's he's like yeah great you know but that's you know you, you have to choose your questions really and and stephen moffat is you know storytelling plot twists timey wimey the humor that he's not disinterested in uh the actors and obviously he has an eye for casting he, uh, he cast matt smith he cast karen gillan he cast arthur darville um but you know he's he's not in it that's what I'm in it for. I'm in it for the character actors. He's in it for other stuff. And I think I showed my my naivety as an interviewer there, asking a question about a guest star that I rather liked, who, you know, Stephen's just like, yeah, he's great. He was really nice and he was great. Um, rather than about that character or about this or about... So anyway, uh, it's just... I, I will occasionally just offload one of my shortcomings. It's This is kind of therapy. Um, this is a fantastic fantastic it's not a set is it it's 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 nature but it's a fantastic setting i love i mean that that shot of the spaceship uh and, and, and the crashed spaceship um you know is a brilliant desolate start and i love this idea of warrior monks which of course goes back you know there's a historical and, and legendary precedent for for warrior monks uh even though to to, to us now it may that may seem slightly oxymoronic and paradoxical or, or whatever but um but you know, crusaders were you know were fighting for religion. So the idea is just it's interesting to see them in fatigues and with machine guns. But I like that. I think that's a smart use of invoking something that has a kind of familiarity and putting a modern twist on it. I, I think that really really works. Um, I, I'm Mr. Grumpy Face today. Um, I suspect there is tons that I'm missing here in the witty banter and the dialogue. Um, which Joe will doubtless uh, choose all all lines, and I'll go. Oh, I was probably talking through that. I was probably apologising for something or banging on about something pointless. I remember. Oh, I remember this so well. This is. I remember talking to somebody um, when this was just coming up, saying who I think had who I think had been privy to the script for this episode, maybe who said it's got so many good ideas and there's one sequence in it and it's going to be this sequence with the you know with the angel in the eye that could make a whole story but that he almost he does it as a set piece and then starts moving on and doing other things in fact that he's got so many good ideas in his head that 
that sometimes uh, you think, well, another writer might have just done one of those ideas and done the whole story about it, which means you get brilliant set piece after some of the the set pieces in the Moffat era, I think are fantastic. Um, and and, And the fact that it's on black and white security footage, that helps. The fact that it's jumpy video, that helps you know they've got the uh, they've they've got the video of the angel from the same place as i got most of my heart on the Troughton episodes <laughs> yeah they got they got it from colin at the place the comic shop in wolverhampton uh you, you give 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 two h vhs's and you get one back with a weeping angel in terrible quality <laughs> actually the ones i got weren't, weren't that were generally quite high quality but that's for another day um uh, and of course, this this makes for a great reveal, which which, funny enough, isn't as clear. Uh, I will explain later when I'm apologising for another mistake that I've made. Uh, he's got such gravitas, hasn't he, Ian Glenn? Uh, had he done? I don't think had he done. I I certainly hadn't watched Game of Thrones at this point. I came I came late to Game of Thrones. I then you know gorged it. Um, and making a virtue here of the fact that the companion is some sometimes left out, and that you know, and the and, and and you know the doctor, the doctor leaving the companion in danger by overlooking them really. But this is such a brilliant. It's a classic Doctor Who scene, um, and I love all of this. This this whole stuff about having an ancient tome, anything that is sort of written by dead people, uh, smelling the book is great. Uh, and this, 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 the beats of this are so good. The danger escalates. The way that it's shot as well. Her looking at it and coming forward to us. The angel gradually moving. Uh, the reflection in the eye. That's the idea that my friend who'd read the script said. You know, there's this, there's this thing about, you know, a thing that the angel could do that should be the whole story. And it's just used for this one amazing scene. I mean, I know it does have ramifications later on, but... Uh, you know, you could you could make a whole story about what the image of an angel being the angel and all of that. Um, God, she owns this, doesn't she? I think Alex Kingston's great. I, th- I you know, I think River Song is fantastic. Uh, my, you know, my as I said, my I think I might have said this before. My ex-wife, with whom I watched all of these Doctor Who's, because she wasn't my ex-wife then. Timey wimey, um, uh, did did did, you know, what isn't a great fan of of. Um, Moffat women tits with quips she said uh, or maybe I said that in response to what she was trying to say because it sounds like something wittier that I would say <laughs> um, but but any, but I don't know I don't know because you know they all they have agency but are they I don't know I'm not a woman are they idealised you know that they're sassy and they're uh, um uh you know, s- smart Alex. Um, but is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? I don't know. Um, I, I, again, uh, and I, I, I have lots of female friends who are great fans of this era and they love Amy Pond and they love River Song. And, and certainly Doctor Who's female demographic has, has, you know, definitely remained pretty healthily high uh, throughout the whole of the modern series, I think. This is an absolutely terrific sequence. It takes such the basics of uh, of, of Doctor Who, um, you know, an ancient text, 
uh, an ominous line, that which holds the image of an angel itself becomes an angel. A sudden moment of realization of, oh my majubibs, we've got we're in big trouble, uh, and the companions in the trouble, and and I love the juxtaposition of their working it out whilst Amy hasn't worked it out, but she's she's got the literally ocular proof. Ha ha ha. Um. Yeah, it's absolutely terrific, and they are such. A simple monster, aren't they? They're a statue, but they're a statue that can suddenly have fangs. <laughs> uh, and and having it as a black and white television jumpy video image, which again is something we've got to kind of anchor on, uh, is is an absolutely terrific visual uh, because it comes with it as, you know, as sort of, you know, but fuggy black and white video is, is either to do with eavesdropping, isn't it, to do with security cameras or it's to do with something ancient where you know everyone in it is dead because it's an old black and white print from long ago so both of those things carry with them you know a sort of certain haunting mysterious quality and that's great shooting it from the back it's a bit i mean it's a bit like the bit in caves of androzani when they're watching the video screen isn't it uh uh oh and she can't switch it off with the remote control you can't you can't switch an angel off and back on again <laughs> um, I like her, and I do. I do like her funky uh, uh, welding pistol. <laughs> and this is, you know, this is the, the the this is really well directed. That all that reflection on her face, she's playing it fantastically. But isn't that a great idea to have gone? You know, d don't blink. Okay. You can't blink. That's the that's the thing. We all know that. If if you blink, they will get you. But if you keep your eyes open, the image of the angel is reflected in your eye, and so it's a way of taking a monster. Because I have to say, I did, I did worry also about how the angels would exist as a monster outside of Blink. They seemed like such a one-story creation, and of course they're absolutely magnificent in this. Uh, without without betraying what they actually were. Um, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I, I, I see all this quick fire. Bap, bap, bap. I really like, and I know some people aren't fans of it, but I, and I was trying to talk myself out of it by, by invoking uh, Catherine's objections, but, you know, she's, she needs to speak for herself and i'm sure articulated it better than i and she's a she's a smart cookie um uh but i i've i failed to sum up what it was why it was that she doesn't like the writing of these women who you know meant you, you know i think the intention is to make them empowered and have agency and be good fun uh but it's a minefield isn't it it's a minefield but but for me i love i i i love Moffat's humour. I I love, I love I love his his bantery dialogue. I think it's it's peppy. It's fun. You know, I I, I was brought up watching Press Gang, which I adored. Um, now, one of these soldiers, uh, I think one of the soldiers in the cave above, um, is an actor called Stephen Walters, who who doesn't make it down below, uh, and was supposed to be one of uh, uh, one of the ones who does a lot of the talking later on. And he's a brilliant actor, Stephen Walters excellent in good cop and he's in uh tin star and he's a he's a he was in a brilliant thing called buried years ago about uh prison 
uh, and he's a, he's a Liverpudlian actor, and he's a fantastic actor. And um, I think he was cast. Well, it said Stephen Matthew Walters in the castest I saw. And sometimes you have an actor that's got the same name but a different name to differentiate in equity. But I I think it, I think he's the same guy. Um, but anyway, they lost they lost a uh, one of one of the soldiers, and I don't quite know why or how i don't know what the issue was there but that's that's something to investigate down the line but uh stephen walters was supposed to be one of the one of the soldiers and they 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 amalgamated the roles what does annoy me though is that uh, a couple of the soldiers here that you see quite clearly mark monero who used to be an eastenders who's great and and george rossi they're both really good actors who've done loads of stuff because they have no lines in this episode they don't get credited but they're not extras extras are supporting artists who don't have to audition and aren't playing acting roles principal acting roles whereas a an actor is and so an actor who is an equity member uh, who also is entitled to residuals and blah, 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 is entitled to a credit and it doesn't matter whether they say lines or not but it's a modern thing uh you, you know it's it's, it's a, it, that that you know uh, has started to creep into television productions uh, which i don't like uh, it's not much to give an actor a credit, uh, and they sh just because th their speaking part doesn't speak in a particular episode, they still have to turn up. They still have to do the job. Blah 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 blah. If they're in the episode, they should receive a credit. It is the bare minimum. And Doctor Who isn't the only thing that started to do this. It's happened a lot with detective dramas that I've seen and all sorts of stuff where an actor, you know, who's got a speaking part in three episodes out of the four in the third episode where they're in the office but they don't have a line they don't get a credit and that's naughty uh, because actors casting guest roles are not the same as extras who are you know there is a casting process goes on but it's not ex it's not the same uh, and uh, it's not the same it's not the same job um, but there we go and also it annoys me because people have started to call actors in guest roles extras i saw a friend of mine do it the other day where he called somebody who was a regular part in coronation street an extra um uh and uh, anyway let's not get on to the nomen <laughs> the nomenclature of uh, different turns in dramas i, t I told I, I do anyway there's so much good there's, there's so much that's good going on here um um and that's brilliant isn't it because we've all had something gritty in our eye and in fact i mean sometimes I have a recurring thing with a with what feels like a a, a hair, and I think it's a phantom hair. Um, whenever anyone puts makeup on my face, I get this phantom hair in my eye that starts stabbing me, uh, and I get hay fever as well. So I when sometimes when you get a bit that you can't shift in your eye, uh, and it's it's what Stephen Moffat I think continually does so well. He goes, "What's a thing that everybody has or does that I can turn into something truly horrifying?" So she's got this thing in her eye, and she's rubbing her eye, and the dust falls out. It's a very well, I say it's a simple visual dust is a is a simple thing something in your eyes i'm sure it's very hard to pull off but it's but it doesn't draw attention to itself because it's so brilliantly done um and it's it's such a simple idea um but that resonates far more than its apparent simplicity this is beautiful i mean this is a classic doctor who sat scene of uh you know a couple of guys looking around and you know that they're going to end up toast but beautiful cave beautiful lighting beautiful mist and again the fact that they're in sort of modern fatigues with machine guns but they're clerics you know m makes it's it's familiar and yet it's different and so it's quite refreshing and actually it's quite exciting seeing this sort of military stuff in modern doctor who i still find that quite exciting because even though there's been loads of military in doctor who 
it's always exciting when people turn up with loads of firepower because you know that they're kind of there for the firepower not to be enough because the doctor's on hand and the doctor's going to have to solve the thing so you know that all these tooled up people are in for a whole heap of trouble and that's quite exciting because i don't know why because you know that essentially you know lots of people are going to get killed <laughs> but again that's beautifully and very effectively done um and of course we have that thing where they're talking over the radio and it's not them which we get to later uh which is truly truly horrible it's very good it's very spooky it's very atmospheric uh and you know neither of these guys are doing anything stupid because sometimes when you have scenes like this you know the person that dies is just a bit of an idiot but um you know he was he was cautious he was you know he was still kept his guard up and blah blah, blah. and this stuff and this is this is wonderful because you have the visual you have the benefit of the visual of the angel um but that glorious thing of that you know that as far as we know they've you know they're old statues that have been worn down by time so it's they're, they're scarier because they're like statue corpses but because if there's anything scarier than an old sort of spooky statue it's an old spooky statue that is so old it's been worn away by the passage of time and that you know the uh, inevitability of the elements which humbles us all because again anything that's sort of old is a reminder of our mortality and you look at you know you look at an old statue you think god all the hands that crafted that you know lived their lives and are long dead and as are many people that have walked past this and given it the once over or touched it or just walked past it and and and, and, and you know and i will be in that position when somebody in a hundred years does this as well and suddenly it's really humbling i love the way that the doctor is with uh with that soldier uh and and you know he's a, and he's a very sweet character and the doctor's just sort of reassured him and you know moffat can be quite cruel because you kind of think oh yeah the doctor's reassured him he's going to be all right uh that's a brilliant shot that uh the uh you know so i say i keep saying it's a brilliant set but it's a it's a mixture isn't it uh however you know uh, it's it's a brilliant visual i think the visuals in this from the color palette to the lighting um in this era are are fantastic this is a great episode of doctor who it's got it all um sassy beginning you know military stuff spooky couple of set pieces oh dear this is yeah this is quite cruel oh that's great the uh the silhouette and isn't there something brilliant about those statues sort of you know caught mid pose as well uh and of course we have that like this marvelous bit coming up um uh and, and of course uh, and, and this now this is where this is where i have to confess i was watching this with my son louis who was very young when this was on and uh we were traveling to and from london and i didn't see them enough and i was always stressed from the journey and i wanted to be a good dad and all of that sort of thing uh, and we did watch doctor who and had fun with it and uh, I, I remember being so excited by this bit um you know the bit where they realize that oh crikey it's not the aplans because the aplans have two heads isn't it uh that i wanted louis to get it um and, and i said and i went oh because it's a really scary moment 
and I was sort of trying to transmit my enjoyment of that, but he didn't get it. So, but I didn't tell him. I tried to explain it to him. Well, they've got two heads. So what's that? And he hadn't quite worked out that that you know these were supposed to be statues of the Aplans because they look like weeping angels. And I think that is a that is a, a an issue is that they do. You know, we kind of know they're weeping angels. We don't really think they're statues, um, because. But but anyway, or maybe that's just retrospect. But a per- perception filter is a good explanation as to why they haven't picked it up, and it's got them in the middle of what aren't statues to the dead, because the Aplans have is it two heads? Uh, they've got two heads. There we go. And so I try to explain this to Louis, but get him caught up in the excitement of it. But rather than tell him, I, I and, and so then I got impatient getting him to work it out. Uh, and what should have been a fun moment where we got both really excited together ended up with him actually quite upset because I got impatient that he hadn't twigged what the connotation of the two heads thing was. And it ended up being a really bad moment between us and, and instigated entirely by me. And I felt terrible. Uh, and I still feel terrible to this day and I hate myself for it and I apologised to him for it about about a year ago and he had no memory of it whatsoever but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you don't have to remember something for it to affect you subconsciously anyway, see, what am I doing? I'm talking about a huge regret and something I feel guilty about instead of enjoying this absolutely cracking moment of revelation in Doctor Who where these horrible... um, uh, semi-preserved oh that's brilliant it's like one of the figures of Pompeii something sort of caught midst m- mid movement but also you know atrophied by you know the the dripping water or or your age or the elements um that makes them seem like yeah they're not just the angels they're the angels as zombies they're the angels as mummies they're the angels as the 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 preserved in death moments of the stricken of Pompeii I think it's absolutely fantastic I think it's brilliant I think it's spooky and this poor sod who we've just seen being reassured by the doctor uh is caught in the middle of them and doesn't know what we've just been told uh oh and it's so sad for poor old Bob uh and and what they do with angel bob is horrible later but uh it's a lovely little uh it's a lovely little cameo and it's a sweet part is bob uh and it's uh, yeah oh poor bob i feel a bit sad for bob um but but this is brilliant of course because it's the it's you know it's it's a it's it's a it's a staple of drama but doctor who does it so well and stephen moffat does it brilliantly here is you know we've got chaos and panic going on elsewhere we've got this guy who doesn't know what any of this is about and it's inevitable now we know he's toast uh but it's making us it's making us follow him every step of the way and that's really cruel and really horrible i mean you know it's horrible but we feel it that's the beauty of doctor who is that you do feel every sort of individual death see there's a good shot of george uh russo george russo yeah um uh who doesn't get a credit in this episode and he's he's quite a well-known actor because uh, he hasn't got any lines and there's mark monero who i've seen on stage and he says he's had a great career actually um i've seen them both actually in sort of london gangster type films i've got a slight weakness for films that have people like craig fairbrass walking in pubs going off oh, oh i have him um, and, and, and they call him the peeler. Why? Because he peels potatoes and then it's people to death with a baseball bat. Um, I, I, yeah, it was a sort of guilty pleasure of mine over, over lockdown. Um, oh, poor old Bob. 
Um, and, and I remember not quite going, oh, not quite knowing what was going on. Uh, uh, and of course, it's the way it taunts the doctor is is really horrible because um yeah yeah it's actually it's really horrible this isn't it because you feel that the you know that the the doctor um the doctor hopefully had given bob some useful advice um and and actually bob's dead and and uh, uh, bob's dead isn't he Oh, that's so sad. And this is a bit like, isn't it, Miss Evangelista's ghost? It's a, a conversation with a dead person, which is so it's a recurrent. I hate the word trope, but it's a it's 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 of a similar ilk to the Miss Evangelista thing. But it is it is disquieting. It is odd. There is something odd about conversations with the dead, about a connection with the past, with what is gone, which is why I think timey wimey is is quite an intriguing idea. Um but of course, if you could then go and change it, I, I, that's not helpful to me dramatically. But 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 I think something about connecting with something from beyond the grave, uh, there's something really humbling about that because it, 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 it heightens your own mortality. You know, if something seems so real and alive that you know is dead, well, the fact that you feel real and alive is nothing because you, you know, in a very short space of time, when all things are considered, will also be dead. Um, I, I like the fact that Octavian thinks the Doctor's a prick, <laughs> and 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 Ian Glenn's in no way arch about it. He's obviously a you know a good man and a decent man and a uh, you know a man who does his duty. Um, but but you know, and we love the Doctor. But the Doctor, if if you are cut from Octavian's cloth, as it were, somebody like that Doctor is an, an anarchist and irresponsible. And uh, and this is brilliant. The fact that Amy is. You know, Amy is infected by the angel. That's a new, that's a new, uh, that's a new sort of thing for them, isn't it? The fact that we can, you know, suddenly you can turn into an angel. That's pretty horrible. Um, this is a great setting, uh, and so they've got to, and they've got to get up to the to the base of the spaceship, which is a which is a lovely problem for them to have. Um, and I like all this sort of military stuff because that makes it all seem exciting. And, and you know, when, when they all get defensive, it makes you feel like the, the enemy are closing in. Uh, and you've got this sort of, you've got this extra level of jeopardy because, uh, uh, oh, and there's nothing like a flashing their torch, losing its power. Um, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so good um, because it's taking us to the cliffhanger and we've got a problem with Amy. Uh, we've got the monsters closing in. Uh, we've got them unable to get to where they need to get to. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh, and I love that. It's brilliantly directed, but I love the and it's inherited from Blink. It the stylistic thing of the sort of camera shutter noise and the sudden oh, they're moving, they're getting closer and closer. I love that. It's such a brilliant. Uh, it's such a brilliant way of depicting the way that they move of the you know of the of the sudden darkness you know the the flash of darkness and they've moved forward a couple of feet and changed their position that's all absolutely terrific uh, bedwettingly scary i imagine if you're a kid that is terrifying more terrifying than your dad being a prick on your visit to london or oh. um uh, I, I quite I can't like the fact that the way he had to get her out is to bite her. That's quite Doctor Whoey as well. You've had all these different things. If you've got space teeth <laughs> alive, that's all I'm saying. You see, that's all that's all great fun. 
so Darren Morfitt there, he gets a line. Uh, he's, uh, oh, what's his character called? He's in a, he's in a film called uh, Dog Soldiers. Uh, and he plays, oh, what's his character he plays? Who's this gobby, Geordie soldier who, um, uh, and, and it's, it's a similar sort of setup to this. It's Sean Pertwee and Kevin McKidd and uh, a load of soldier guys on, uh, 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 you know, on, on manoeuvres. And they end up, you know, besieged in a, in a cottage by a werewolf. And it's great. And Darren Morfitt's absolutely fantastic in it. Uh, and he's and has got a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant line that I don't want to spoiler it. <laughs> but even my friend John, who's not a big Doctor Who fan, but John and I used to watch loads of movies together, but we never watched Dog Soldiers together. But he uh, he texted me or tweeted me and said, the name of the character from Dog Soldiers is in Doctor Who. And I went, yeah, I know, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I died in fear. That's so horrible. And, and And actually the way that the actor does it as well. Um, he doesn't, he still plays it as Bob's diction, you know, Bob's quite innocent, simple, di direct sort of delivery rather than relishing it and being sarcastic. And that, in fact, that sort of dissonance, that, 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 that distance from, from the emotion of what he's saying makes it even more sort of cold and clinical. It's a very good choice. It's a clever choice. Adam, Adam Smith's done a great job with the direction as this as well. It does feel like a sort of, it does feel like a sort of movie, doesn't it? Um, and, and having it down in the caves, this is a great setting. Lighting's fantastic. <clears throat> All that cutting, those close-ups, the chunk, chunk, chunk. They're moving. And uh, yeah, I have. Ah, and this. And, and I think this had been, this is an odd cliffhanger. Uh, you know, the cliffhanger isn't the danger. The cliffhanger is the doctor, you know, d doing his victory speech. And it, and it depends on the actor. It depends on rhythm. It's a hero moment. It's uh, the doctor knows they're getting out. They're getting out of it. But we don't know what that is and so the cliffhanger resolution will be what is it that the doctor's done but i love that so it's based entirely on rhythm uh and this sort of the money shot here and a hero moment what the hell's gone on we don't know what's gone on and we're distracted from what's gone on because the bbc have put a blooming uh <laughs> uh avatar of graham norton advertising strictly come dancing or whatever's coming next uh, to over the action and i was absolutely furious um i mean hugely furious um and i and i do you know it's the sort of thing that it's it's a philistine thing to do you know it's it's a program it's a piece of it every shot every rhythm every piece of dialogue every pitch of performance has been thought about has had industry and hard work put into it now all right it's not brain surgery etc 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 but it takes skill it takes imagination it takes creativity and to bung a logo on it to plug what's coming next is an act of such desecration uh that i can i can understand were it performed by somebody who didn't work for a public service broadcaster but but i still wouldn't approve of it uh and 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 it's uh, you know, and, 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 you know, dogs in the corner, you know, logos in the corner uh, and all of that sort of stuff. Just let us be free to watch the programme. You don't you don't eat a meal with the waiter come keep nudging you and saying uh, uh, dessert's coming in a minute, dessert's coming in a minute. Or here's a, here's a leaflet for our other restaurant and all that sort of stuff. Let people 
let people or let, at least let people opt out of i mean shrunk credits is another thing i know that's a thing that's specific to me but the but the dog in the corner during the action at a climactic moment that the episode has been building to to put that there is i mean can you hear i'm 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 furious about it so many years later this is a joyous podcast it's because it's such a good episode as well but it, i mean i would have been annoyed if they'd done that with underworld um i'd have been annoyed if they'd done that with the cliffhanger episode three of death to the daleks it doesn't have to be a work of art um uh, and i was but what do you know what what heartened me about it was that i was so incensed I went down and I did it to the Frog and Bucket in Preston, which wasn't a great club and and was certainly not one where you'd, um, you know, deal in anything esoteric or, or, or whimsical. It all had to be pretty on the nail. And you always had to win their approval pretty much by, especially if you looked and sounded like me. I had to spend the first five minutes really taking one for the team and, uh, you know, eliciting their trust and doing loads of banter with them so that they eventually went, oh, he's all right. And basically insult myself and insult them and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. But, but you know, I got there and then I did this whole speech where I was so furious and impassioned in my fury about them, you know, putting a logo for the next programme on the programme that I just enjoyed that I got a round of applause. <laughs> and, I mean, I wasn't expecting to, for a start, I didn't really know what I was doing. That's that's what happens when one is emceeing. Sometimes, you know, you you go off on a riff and you create a moment or whatever. But you know, I hadn't planned on getting a round of applause. I didn't really know where I was going with it. But I was obviously so impassioned, and and maybe you know, maybe they agreed. Maybe you don't have to be a geeky Doctor Who fan to go. I don't want a moment, the climactic moment of the television program I've invested my time in, to be ruined by the very people who were giving it to me. Because if they don't respect it, who, how the hell is anybody else supposed to? That's the thing. If the curator of the museum thinks the exhibits are worth putting stickers over, then why do they think anybody should will will visit the place? Do you know what I mean? I, this, it's, I mean, I hate to say the lunatics have taken over the asylum, but it seems to me, you know, if you... You're either underestimating your audience, which is cynical and, you know, nobody gets anywhere by underestimating the audience. And how dare you as well? Uh, that, that sort of, you know, assuming the audience is stupid has, has never created anything brilliant. Um, and, in, and in fact, you know, I, I would probably have assumed that that audience wouldn't have even cared what I was talking about with, with the thing that I did. And actually, when I did it, there was enough either in common or the way that I delivered it or something about what it was that they connected with it and they liked it. So I didn't go with my assumption because you, you can't. And also, you know, you don't patronise the audience. And if you don't care about the stuff that you're putting out there, if you have such disdain for the work that's been put in by and 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 paid for by the license payer then you're in the wrong business gosh this is supposed to be what a happy time well i am quite happy when i'm when i'm uh, 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 sort of uh, <laughs> divesting myself of pent-up fury what i've done there i've divested by the, the guilt over my child uh my anger over the closing credits and not crediting uh certain people and the the logo appearing as a i mean I, but it's a great episode I think it's hard because I'm not as familiar um, with new Who as, as old Who. I've still, I mean, I've still watched that probably, you know, a good nine or ten times. Um, but I think with Moffat in particular as well, you have to really be listening to the dialogue, which is hard to do when you're commentating over it. But there are so many exchanges there that would be gold dust in any other Doctor Who story that I think we take for granted with Stephen Moffat. I think his dialogue sings uh, and uh, uh, his humour 
um, you know, pervades the whole thing, and it, and and without ever sending it up or undermining it, you know, it's uh, that the, the humor is also is almost a rhythm and a motor of the dynamic between the characters, um, and that that makes you invest in them, um, and and also you know, humor is very. I've just been thinking and writing and uh, broadcasting a little bit about about the Philip Pinchcliffe era, and I think that the that humor is deployed there very well, where it where it's you know it's quite smart humor, but it never it's never silly and it never undermines. The action, uh, and I think I think that's what goes on here. I mean, yes, people do talk like witty banterers, but that's okay. It's television, you know. It's not it's not real, uh, uh, and you know, I would rather have that than something sort of you know mundane or too prosaic or or just a bit stilted. So you know, bring it on. Um, so I have to choose my three favourite things, and Joe has chosen three of his himself all in different backgrounds and as he said he recorded those all before the bit that we just heard because in true Moffati style we gone a timey-wimey so um what are my favorite things well uh, i think the set piece with the angel and amy in that that scene it's going to be that scene see that's there's so many great set pieces. and also the bit where they realize that uh, they're not the Aplans because they don't have two heads. And I, I like the fact that they've got the perception filter there be, that, that sort of explains their slowness as well, which is quite nice because we wouldn't know. We don't know the Aplans have two heads because we don't know what Aplans are. And, and that, as I say, that bit is slightly, because they do look like weeping angels, it, it, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's slightly unclear, isn't it? Uh, but, but it? But it works. And that moment of real... And it's all to do with the... Um, to do with the pacing of it as well, the realization when it comes in, and that's all to do with the direction and the writing and the urgency. You know, that's the, what I love about uh, the, the you know episodes when they get sort of dramatic and, and exciting in one who is that is the pacing of them and the cutting and and all of that, and that's done so well. Uh, in so uh, yeah, the scene where they suddenly realize they're surrounded by weeping angels and the fact that they're sort of you know abstractions of the weeping angel physiognomy because they've been corroded by uh, you know time and dripping water and uh, you know yeah sort of natural entropy if you like that makes them as a visual even more terrifying than than they were and i you know i think that evoking of the of the of the frozen dead of pompeii the mummified corpses of pompeii you know mid panic or um you know it's, it's so heartbreaking yet so terrifying and to have that sort of writ large and come to life uh, or potentially coming to life uh, i think is uh, i think is 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 a is a fantastic uh, another fantastic set piece uh and the so that's that's two scenes so i've got to think of something different for my my third thing um Oh well, um, or is it the cliffhanger? It is a great cliffhanger, isn't it? Um, I do like the lighting, though. I like the setting of the caves. I like the fact that they're military clerics. That gives it, that gives it a bit of its sort of oomph, a bit of its backbone. You know, we've, uh, you know, you've got, you you need something to sort of level the, you know, the arch comic banter and interplay between the Doctor and River and. Uh, and Amy, where if if you're not too careful, you could get a sass overload. So I like Octavian. I think I'll, I mean I think I'll probably choose Ian Glenn next week anyway. Um, but I I I I do like the fact that you have this 
sort of backup of these these military clerics which just give it a bit of you know a bit of unit style um sort of heft if you like but uh, but it also it it cuts through the banter um i do like the pre-credit scene as well though i like the fact that it's the streets ha 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 um i think river song you know river song is great in these stories um so what am i going to go with um Oh, but I like Angel Bob too. So scary and so horrible. Uh, um, what shall I choose? Cliffhanger, Angel Bob, River Song. I mean, Matt Smith, Matt Smith, and Karen Gillan both deserve, both deserve a mention. Uh, Adam Smith, the director too. But I think the fact, I think the warrior monks. I think the fact that they're warrior monks. I like that. I like that. That just seems to me to be an ingredient that gives the episode just a little a little bit of extra umph and a bit a bit of extra grounding and 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 because as i said before it's a sort of recognizable thing but it's given a bit of a modern twist and it also it also gives us you know sort of modern style military and a futuristic story that, and it and it just makes it a bit more sort of grounded and and believable um so yeah they're my things amy and the the image of the angel in the screen, which is a classic scene and always will be. They're realising that they're not Aplan statues, they're weeping angels and they're corroded, melted ones as well. Uh, and uh, the fact that they're warrior monks. Those are my three things, partially because Joe and I talk about, because I've never served in the military and, and Joe Joe has, um, you know, Joe has. And... Uh, I, f I find that you know a very interesting perspective, and I admire anybody that uh, you know puts themselves, you know, through all that you know rigorous training and puts themselves in you know in the line of fire and you know puts puts uh, the the freedom and safety of other people before their own, all that sort of thing, which is nothing. And you know, I can talk a good game just about, but uh, I'm I'm not good for much else. So I I do admire people that uh, that have uh, you know been in in real situations that uh you know i can only imagine and i suspect my imagination is not even close um so i'm interested in joe's perspective on that because um because i'm sure he will have a perspective on the militaristic aspects of this hope so anyway but maybe that'll be for episode two but anyway let's see what joe llewellyn american doctor who fans favorite thing about time of the angels number one is going to be and there's a visual here uh, and he's on a great big JCB tractor thing. First favorite thing about Time of Angels is the opening. I saw this and this was before I'd ever heard the term timey-wimey, but it's just a classic example of Stephen Moffat's writing. From the hallucination, to the spaceship, to Amy and the Doctor in the museum, 12,000 years later, and then meeting back up, uh, getting River getting shot into space, landing in the TARDIS, follow that ship. Fantastic. More, please. Oh, I should have chosen that. It's so obvious now he says it. Oh, by the way, it's a John Deere truck, not a not, not a, JC, not a JCB. I don't, I don't want to get my tractors wrong. Uh, it might not even be a tractor. It's got a grab. What is it? It's one of them. A digger. Digger. He's on a digger. It's a big yellow digger. Um, it's like Bessie with teeth. <laughs> um, 
Uh, it is a brilliant opening. Why didn't I choose the opening? Uh, I should have. Because I, I think when I was thinking of the opening, I was thinking of the airlock scene, which I do like. But it's a sort of bit of sass and it's got the nice, it's got the dinner jacket thing going on and it's a bit oldie worldy and a bit sass. But no, he's right because it's got, and added Mike Skinner from the streets, because it's got the hallucination idea, because it's got the time travel element to it. It's also got the sass, but then it's got the, the hero moment and the rescue. And then, but it leads into the story. Follow that ship. Uh, it's beautifully constructed. It's extremely well directed. It's got the mystery as well because of the Doctor and Amy with the box. Uh, it, it it has everything: action, wit, intrigue, sass, clever time travel twist, hero moment, bam into the action. Oh, Joe! I I mean, I knew that. I knew everything that you said. I agreed with, and yet I chose crappy thing about having soldiers in it. <laughs> Oh, I, the, the, yeah, somebody else should be doing my job. Who, who else could present my own podcast? I'm sure somebody um, would do it better. Anyway, da dash, I should have got that point. But um, yeah, well put, Joe. And and I'm so, so glad uh, it's it still works for you now as it did then when this was only your fourth episode of Doctor Who. And in your own words, more please. Uh, number two, Joe's number two, uh, where he's inside sitting on a sofa with two caps hanging behind him and he's stroking a lovely looking dog. So here we are, Joe, what have you got to say? Second favorite thing I like about Time of Angels and the whole story are the Anglican soldiers. Doctor Who is not always respectful toward the church or the military. You don't have to be respectful toward those institutions. I was making fun of the army last night. You can do that. Um, but I, I thought this was pretty unique in New Who. It's not always respectful. In this instance, the, the soldiers were not portrayed as buffoons or antagonistic toward the, our heroes or uh, just disposable red shirts to be mowed down by the uh, enemy of the week. So it was a great performance uh, by the actor doing Father Octavian, Ian Glenn, and um, I really liked his portrayal. Um, I do question their rank structure because they seem to have one senior officer and a bunch of squaddies. Doesn't always work where your sergeants. They did have a combat engineer to blow a hole in the wall to get into the maze of the dead. It's good to have uh, combat engineers. I served as a combat engineer. I'm filming this on Veterans Day, so uh, service is always, you know, always on my mind, but especially today. So if you served in uh, any capacity for any nation, thank you for your service. You see, I love that. Um, thank, I'm so glad Joe brought that into the equation. I mean, as, you know, as I say, I'm a blooming weedy, blooming liberal peacenik. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's so interesting to get intelligent and respectful uh, commentary um, from a you know genuine perspective of somebody who's who's you know been part of. Uh, the military and uh, and and we've had very interesting conversations about the the portrayal of the military in Doctor Who and Joe is you know very um, shows great equanimity there as well of, of not even the bits that he you know when he doesn't particularly like what Doctor Who's done with the military doesn't get cross you know you see people these days I mean I saw somebody on Twitter today banging on about something going oh, and Eleven does this and I and you go just because you don't like a thing or the or the Doctor behaves in a way that you wouldn't 
wind your neck in for goodness sake uh and it's interesting that 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 you know joe will go yeah i didn't like the way that that the military and i didn't like that but i do like this and i do that. and that's how you have a conversation and that's how you deal with the show when it does something that you don't particularly like and and you know joe has every right to get affronted because he's you know i, 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 I think what you know when you know when doctor who can um portray the military in a in a bad light people who've genuinely put their lives on the line and serve their country might go oh, that's a bit rich for you to say television people you, you you try doing what we've done uh and i you know i always think that when i think of my own political views about you know it's all very well to to rattle them out in an intellectual fashion but uh, it's a bit it's a bit obtuse to do it when uh, when you're when you're talking to people that have actually you know done that really hard stuff uh and so even though i'm not a a, a militaristic fellow of of any sort i do have great admiration uh and increasingly so as i get older for 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 people that have done that stuff that i've never had to do and indeed the generations before me who i see being belittled now uh as you know now that we just look at the past and you know because they they didn't have certain standards about certain things that we do how awful they must all have been you think yeah so awful that they were on normandy beaches uh, and doing things that would have absolutely scared the bewinkles out of you keyboard warriors so you know um so i i'm really i'm very pleased well also really pleased that have me having uh, you know belittled my own choice has now been the choice that joe has made and uh so now uh, we're actually one all so i mean not only is it brilliant because uh, he's he's chosen the thing that i chose that i wasn't sure was a good choice and now think is a splendid choice he gave some real proper uh heartfelt insight into that and some very measured um and i would be very interested to talk i must talk to joe about this actually i'm thinking out loud now uh, uh to talk to joe about um uh, the militaristic things because i'm i'm very interested i w- was watching some capaldi episodes recently and um, you know where he suddenly just decides he takes a dislike to soldiers for you know for some reason that probably seemed really cool at the time and just seems to me seems a bit awful <laughs> uh, uh yeah um and I, you know i yes i get the thing of the doctor you know, you know, the doctor being cross with the brigadier for blowing up the Silurians. That's a really interesting moral dilemma because he needs the brigadier and he uses the brigadier and he cooperates with the brigadier, but he doesn't approve of the brigadier's methods. But then there's the moral conundrum of going, well, you don't want to blow people up yourself, doctor, but you're perfectly happy to let the brigadier blow people up for you. And then and and that's all I think that's all dealt with in, in quite an interesting way. Um, and, and it's always going to be a, a moral dilemma with Doctor Who that we say, you know, this is the peaceful hero who uses books and intellect and reason, um, but still blows things up and still, you know, requires it. And it's all very well to say, well, I don't approve of your method, soldier chap. Um, but then you go, yeah, there's loads of things coming towards us and we're the ones with the machine guns. Do you want us to use our methods now? Oh, yes, please. And if they don't work, I'll do some wires that will blow them all up as well. And you go, oh, so you're not that actually. So, you know, it, it, there is a conundrum at the heart of Doctor Who and it's it's worth a sort of rational and interesting conversation. Um, but... Um, uh, but also, yes, in drama, military people can be, you know, can- cannon fodder um, and grunts, um, and and that's not very becoming. So, but it, he's also shown me that I sh- perhaps shouldn't choose Ian Glenn next week because he kind of encapsulated Ian Glenn's performance in 
the whole the fact that the soldiers are Anglican priests and all of that so I will give Ian Glenn his nod now because I think it's a very measured uh, very uh, perf performance of a, of a man of great prison principle and stoicism uh, that the, the Doctor Who is full of and they can be quite boring parts if you're not careful but Ian Glenn has a real natural gravitas I think he's an absolutely terrific actor and I think he's pitch perfect in this and it's one of my favourite uh, performances uh, of the whole of this period of Doctor Who which is why I asked Stephen Moffat about him and I should really have asked a question about intricacies of scripting or how he was shaping the show but uh, I like my actors I do I like my actors um currently watching Ian Glenn in a thing called Silo and of course he, I think he was great in um great in uh, Game of Thrones and I'm very pleased because he, he got credited quite high up in Game of Thrones on a on a single uh, on a single caption but as the series went on and his character you know became he wasn't the main part but he was you know a, a, a sterling you know a, a sterling sort of lead support but he then goes and gets the and credit at the end and when when somebody gets an and credit it to me is a proper affirmation i yearn one day to have an and credit in something then i will die happy i won't die happy um, i'll never be happy that's uh, that's 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 the curse of being me anyway let's not get into that you've you've heard enough of my regrets right but Doctor Who takes me to my happy place. Although it doesn't. It sometimes pulls the unhappy things into sharp focus. But maybe it maybe it expunges them. That, that, that this is a process of catharsis. Uh, <laughs> therapy as podcast. Joe's third thing. Surely he's going to choose one of my two set pieces. I was a bit... Yeah. I felt that choosing two set piece scenes seemed to be a bit lazy. But they are so good. I couldn't not choose one of them. Go on. Choose one of my set piece scenes, Joe. Uh, Joe's third thing is... He's standing outside in front of something, which he might explain what it is. It's not quite... Oh, it's a truck with bales of hay in it. Um, these videos, I, I, I so want to do these for YouTube, but it's it's quite low on my list of things to do. But I, I am going to be put on my on the Patreon page. I'm, I'm going to be showing the videos um, so that you can see... Uh, you know, you can you can put a face to the voice, as it were. And eventually, one day, hopefully, I'll do these as 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 videos as well. But um, but uh, I've I've got so many things to do first. Anyway, here's Joe in front of a, a an open back truck with some bales of hay in it, telling me what his third favourite thing about this episode of Doctor Who is. The third thing, our third favourite thing about Time of Angels is River Song. I know she featured in the opening, but I'm giving River her own segment. This story was my introduction to the character, and I thought uh, Alex Kingston had great chemistry with Matt Smith, great chemistry with Karen Gillan, and uh, great chemistry and great interactions with Father Octavian. So, so River is just really awesome throughout the whole story, and up until Husbands of River Song, this remained my favorite River Song story. Big fan of the character. Um, my wife just bought me the uh, latest Big Finish River Song um, story with a unit. Really interested in giving that a listen whenever I get the time. But that, that's my third thing of uh, Time of Angels is River Song. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. I nearly chose River Song, uh, but I didn't. Um, I do think she's great. I think maybe it's because my, my ex-wife's doubts were ringing in my ears. Or maybe it's because it's become fashionable now to knock her a bit. And I don't know why, because I think she's brilliant. She's got such charisma. She speaks 
Stephen Moffat's dialogue fluently. I read recently uh, there was something in the news saying that she'd uh, they'd asked her to uh, in for another part and she'd either turned it down or wasn't available. So can you imagine? I think she was born to play River Song, and I think River Song is an imp- is an important character with Doctor Who, even though I resist timey wimey storytelling. I, I I find it provides more problems than it does solutions. I I you know uh, I you know I I I I nonetheless understand the appeal of it to to people with different perhaps minds than mine who like sort of conundrums and problems and certainly in terms of being a writer who's to, you know I'm not clever enough to write something that's timey-wimey uh, with all those strands um, you know give me a mid- beginning a middle and an end in that order so I'm aware it's possibly a shortcoming of mine but I do think with Doctor it, it slightly detracts from the drama because it means you can go it gets into Bill and Ted territory where you know, you can go and stop something from happening and then you go, well, why don't you do all that all the time, et cetera, et cetera. But the River Song idea of the of the, of the the love story, you know, told in a fragmented way, sometimes backwards, forwards, sideways, is, is a brilliant idea and can, you know, shine a light on love and unrequited love and relationships and interaction that, that can be sort of heart breaking or, or or funny or or you know an emotional in a in a different way in a skewed way that only doctor who and sci-fi can do which means it's it's very worth doing and when you've got you know the charisma in buckets that uh, alex kingston has and the and and the interaction that she has as as joe said with with not just with matt smith but with ian glenn and with with karen gillen it's uh you know it makes her a zinger so yeah good choice i nearly chose her didn't i i nearly chose river uh, and he's given me, he's given me an out. Five and ten. I think this is this is Joe's shameless plug. So we'll probably we might end both episodes with this. I don't know. But anyway, here's a here's a bit. This isn't for flesh and stone. So it's it's five and ten shameless plug. Let's see what Joe is shameless plugging because he deserves to. What a guest, eh? Uh, I hope you've enjoyed having him on. I certainly have. And as I say, I, it it means a great deal to me that. Having done these podcasts, there are names now that I read. They're on the, you know, I read them out at the end of the episodes of the people who, you know, kind enough, daft enough to, to, you know, send some of their hard-earned cash my way in order that, I mean, this is, what is this? It's just a man talking. But there are enough of you that that allow this man to talk. I don't know what you get out of it. Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's the eternal dilemma of a creative. You, you hope what you do is good, but sometimes you can't quite believe that it's, it's got, there's so much out there, do you know what I mean? Um, but there are this group of people, and Joe is among them, um, whose names are now familiar to me with because they're the people that keep these projects going, that have shown faith in them, and not just faith, you know, financial input. And that's not to belittle those of you who, who listen on iTunes and podcasts. Podcasts are free, uh, and that's the beautiful thing about them. It's, it's very democratic. And uh, I listen to loads of podcasts that I love that I don't pay for. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I, I don't think people should be obliged to. I'm, I'm glad that there are enough listeners out there. But I also love this model whereby if people choose to contribute, they can and they do. Uh, but not only that, you know, I'm familiar with their names and they drop me a line and I'm able to go oh yeah well th- and thanks and they go no it's great because we like this and we like that or we don't you know um, nobody says we don't like that actually um, and and here's my thing and oh here's a thing to tell you and something occur- and you've suddenly got this interaction and this relationship with people that you've never met uh, but you talk to semi-regularly and it's always a delight to hear 
from Joe partially because as I say we I think we have very different backgrounds and outlooks on many many number of things and have had different stimuli in life and yet I hugely you know respect and like him even though I've we've never had an actual conversation uh and I think it's but you know it's based on you know respectful discourse and exchange of ideas founded in a mutual love of a show that we nonetheless came to in, in completely different ways and I always look forward to hearing from Joe and the fact that somebody um, you know like him who has as I say is from a completely different background and somehow connects to this nonsense that I'm spurting now uh, I think is a testament to you know to Doctor Who and, and what it does for all of us and I think that's a good thing I think that's a marvellous thing unlike this you know sometimes this toxicity that you see on social media where people get furious with people for liking the show in a different way to how they like them and all that sort of thing the things that unite us always not just in doc 2 are always greater than the things that divide us and uh and so you know i'm much more interested in uh, which is why i don't really engage in you know internet fracas i'm much more interested in in talking to people um you know who we may have all sorts of you know as I say, different uh, life experiences um, through which, you know, th through through which we see, d you know, Doctor Who and, and also Doctor Who informs our life experiences, but in therefore in a, you know, a kaleidoscope of different ways. And I think that's marvellous. And there is more that unites us than that divides us. And I think that's how you have to live your life. And I'm very lucky that this has enabled me to do that in a, in a, you know, in a small and probably insignificant way. But sometimes small, beautiful things is what life is all about, isn't it? So uh, I'm really glad I've got to this one with uh, Joe because I really wanted to see what he had to say. And I'm uh, and I haven't been disappointed. He said it as articulately as he does in our uh, occasional uh, Internet exchanges, uh, Internet exchanges, emails. Yes, Internet exchanges. That's what you call emails, you old duffer. Anyway, yeah, I'm feeling enthused by that. Uh, that was a positive experience. I'm sorry that with the Moffat ones, I probably miss a lot of their greatest assets, which is the which is the dialogue and the interaction and the chemistry. Because I'm always having to talk. That's that's the nature of it. And I think Moffat stuff perhaps particularly suffers with that. You know, I think Robert Holmes's stuff would too. Were I not aware of every single zinger that's coming, um, but that's that's again the nature of um, you know when I'm commentating on new episodes he said about episodes that aren't that new at all there are, there are people that were born when this was on who are probably capable of somersaults and driving who knows um but anyway it was another life gosh preston frog and bucket that's gone now so is john the doorman who was the doorman there who's a lovely fella uh he's he's died as well bless him uh i'm not married to Catherine anymore uh but they don't do i don't think they put stickers on the dramatic bits in programs they still shrink credits which irritates me but i think i think they're they're called dogs aren't they i think they've i think they've put the dogs down which which i'm pleased about that's the only time i'm pleased about such a thing happening but gosh timey wimey it's uh it's it's yeah it's it's cruelly wooly uh, i remember when this episode was new i remember it going out the first time i mean i remember the leisure hive going out the first time but i know that was a long time ago i was a child then um I, f I feel like i was a fully formed adult then but of course i've changed and learned a lot since since 
uh, flesh and st uh, time of angels, which means probably in an equal time forward, uh, I would have changed and learnt again. Hopefully for the better. Hopefully we're always progressing and we're not uh, we're not stuck in. We're not set in stone because, uh, well, oh, yeah, that would be scary. Shameless plug. Um, when I first started filming these videos almost three weeks ago, I didn't really have a plan for a plug. I don't have a blog. I don't have a podcast. I don't have a YouTube. I barely have a Twitter. Don't You don't have to follow me on Twitter. But something has come up, something that's very important. Uh, my cousin Annie, the daughter of my cousin Gary, is a special education teacher, and she has been battling brain cancer for, for over uh, five years. They've gotten some of the cancer out, but some of it still remains and they're fighting to save her life. Her remarkable father, Gary Wilson, my uh, cousin, has raised a lot of money with the GoFundMe, organized not that long ago, uh, but every little bit helps, and this is the biggest audience I can come up with to spread the word. And if you could donate to uh, Annie's cause, that would be most wonderful. I really appreciate that, and Toby for this opportunity to spread the word. Thanks ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Joe Llewellyn, who could be found on Twitter at JokerBC67. And Annie's GoFundMe is called Help Annie with Medical Costs. It's on GoFundMe. I'll put links in the Patreon chat bits and on Twitter when I release this to the public. If you could help, that would be fantastic. I'm grateful to Joe and, of course, to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. He is one, and so are Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, Peter Burns, James Coday-Smith, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, Gavin McLean, Richard Straw, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, David Trainier, Oliver Crocker, Paul Greaves, David Smith, Sean Reynolds, Giles Smith, and Ian Smith. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And there are more patrons than those named there. I'm grateful to all of them. And you too could have your name read out on occasion on the closing credits of A Happy Times and Places or An Indefinable Magic or A Far Too Much Information if you go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, where for as little as £3 a month you get three releases a week. That's three generally audio releases, but sometimes there's literature, sometimes there's a bit of video, but uh, three proper hefty bits of, uh, <laughs> in inverted commas, entertainment per week uh, and on a Tuesday you also get a picture of my dog as a bonus uh, and that's for three pounds a month uh, and it goes up to five ten twenty whatever you want um, but whatever level of uh, patronage you give you will get all of the in inverted commas entertainment stuff uh, there are a few things to drag you up the tiers but uh, none of them essential, he said, selling them <laughs> really well. Basically, it's a sort of pay what you can slash are inclined so to do. And you get 10% off uh, if you join up for a year in advance, because then I gotcha. Um, but if you don't fancy being you know, obligated or the monthly thing, or you know, you don't, uh, you've got better things to spend your money on, that is absolutely fine. You can go to uh, iTunes, Spotify, Patreon, and it costs you nothing to leave a five-star review that really really helps there's so much stuff out there the five-star reviews really do help to sort of kick us into people's awareness and i say us me it's just me i'm sorry about that <laughs> you get what you pay for which as i say it's just me anyway um yeah 
five star reviews, a couple of lines of, uh, of uh, you know, something to say that you like about these really helps passing internet trade. Um, but if you do fancy the Patreon thing, as I say, from £3 a month, plus 10% discount if you sign up for a year, uh, you get exclusive releases, you get monthly AMAs, you get, uh, you know, back and forth chats, all that sort of thing. It's quite a nice, nice community. It's good fun. Uh, lots of people, you know, just there being like the kingdom of Traken. So um, come along and don't be a milker. Uh, <laughs> uh, or you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock and then you don't have to take part in anything or be obligated to anything but it's a way of giving me a tip via cyberspace. I'd be grateful. Of course I'm out there in the world of social media. You have to be. I'm trying to get good at Instagram and I'm making videos and everything uh, at toby.haydock uh, particularly to advertise my comedy wares and um, I'm doing Excess Malarkey every Tuesday in Manchester. I've also started a monthly new material night featuring some pretty famous names of television comedy and all that, trying out their new material once a month in Manchester. So, you know, I still do the J job, trying to make people laugh. I mean, I try and make you laugh here, but, you know, about Doctor Who, and not always try to make you laugh. I sometimes like to hide behind facts and autobiographical memories related to Doctor Who. You know what it is. You've just listened to nearly an hour and a half of it. Anyway, uh, yeah, come and see my comedy stuff. And uh, yeah, Instagram has clips and things, Toby, at toby.haydoke. I'm on Twitter, at tobyhaydoke. I have a Facebook uh, page, not my personal Facebook Hello, me. That's uh, I've I've got to slim that down anyway because I've got I've reached my limit of friends. <laughs> yeah, how many of them will come around when you have a barbecue, Toby? Um, but uh, so yes, I've left. Yes, so but I have I have a page where I can have unlimited, you know, likers. I can't have I can't, I can, you can only have a certain amount of friends, but you can have unlimited likers. That's uh, that's the internet in a nutshell. So do that on the Facebook because I you know I put up that that that's where I put up all the sort of work stuff. And these podcasts have their own Twitter feed as well called at Haydoke Podcasts. So do all of that if you're not at one hour twenty five minutes sick of me. Well, you're not going to get very long um, post-credits today, he says, because they, they started off as Bon Mo's and have become sort of extended, pointless monologues. But I just have had a nice, quite a nice thing, actually. Um, I've just been reviewing some footage for a, a Chris Chapman Doctor Who DVD making of that I'm going to be involved with. But he's, he's put all the interview material, some of it's archival, some of it he'd got in the bank before you know, we sort of film film our bits. And one of the crew tells a tale of going, I was working on this comedy show up north and, uh, uh, you know, somebody mentioned that I'd done a Doctor Who and this, you know, this person went, oh, you know, what uh, what was this? Well, I was working in, you know, Birmingham Horror Fang Rock and this, you know, this guy got his mate and blah, 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 blah. And I just had to text Chris and say, you know, you know that... Um, you know, you know that anecdote that guy does about meeting a guy on a set of a comedy show. You never guess who he's talking about. Because it was me. So that's quite nice. Um, well, I mean, it's quite nice if you. It's terribly narcissistic, isn't it? I like that anecdote because it was actually about me. But no, I just quite like. I still feel just to be a little part of Doctor Who is amazing to me, um, and I I like the fact when some you know it's it's really it was just really fun to come across and go I think I know that guy. He's like, oh, guy and then he tells that story and you go oh well that was yeah that was something he did on a set with me it's completely unrelated to this nobody involved knew he didn't know that I was going to be presenting this doc Chris didn't know when he interviewed him that he was actually talking about me and it all it's just quite nice isn't it it's it's a coincidence it's not narcissism it's just a winning and amusing 
coincidence. So I think that's quite fun. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm one thing I didn't talk about at the end of that was when Joe talked about Doctor Who being hard on the military and the church. And he's right. And I think that's really interesting. I haven't recorded episode two as I record this. Sometimes I record these post-credit bits when I've done the whole thing. But I haven't had time to watch Flesh and Stone yet. So I'm just putting it in there to go talk about Doctor Who and Doctor Who fandom being kind about the church. And, um, you know, Doctor Who's attitude to religion. Uh, because I th and, and our modern day attitude to religion. And I'm not a religious person. Um, but I actually... And, and many, many years ago, I would have been quite, you know, dismissive of religion. <laughs> and I actually think, you know, now I'm I'm hugely respectful of, I still don't believe, but I'm rather sad about that because I actually think religion is actually very helpful for society. And young me, who would have been more than happy to kick the church, probably only the church, which is interesting, the Christian church, the, the one I sort of grew up in, and I went to a Roman Catholic school for a bit, and was very into it, because um, of course I'm, I'm a fan, do you know what I mean, I got, I got well into it, <laughs> I learnt all the bits and everything, um, you know, I, th I think, I think religion is a really interesting and complex thing, and l like a lot of things, I mean, I, you know, I've got two kids, and they're both quite sort of dismissive of religion, like, oh, don't, don't be too, you know, don't be so quick, interest don't be so quick to judge because and actually a lot of the things that they would judge religion for um that they, they actually do in their dismissal of religion well oh, it, it doesn't want to hear other points of view and it uh, and it just tells people what to think and uh, and, and it's a uh, and, and, uh, and 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 various various other things that that i see non-religious people exhibit in other areas so i think it's complicated and i think it's interesting uh, and I think I, I'm supposed to be talking about this next episode. Why didn't I just leave it at the anecdote about the man who uh, uh, <laughs> was talking about me? Yes, I was. I was worshiping a false idol, my own bloody reflection. Anyway, there's lots to say about religion, but I I find religion a very interesting subject, and I also I'm as I say I'm quite I'm respectful of of people that um, manage to. Well, I suppose it does speak to the fact that I like that anecdote because it was about me. I think the reason religion is important and increasingly important in this day and age, which I think is getting quite narcissistic, is that, of course, if you're subservient to something, if you are a follower of a religion, um, you, um, you don't necessarily come first. You know, you humble yourself. Um, you know, you, you, you take your own self you know, out of being front and centre of every sort of decision that you make, moral choice, blah, blah. and I know clearly that can go too far the other way, and perverted religion has been the cause of a great many atrocities. But I think on a purely personal level, I think having something that you subjugate your own ego to uh, is is increasingly necessary in the world that we're living in. And that's a lot of what I would have said next week had I not just said it now. But of course, my mind is so addled, I'll probably forget. So you'll get a recap of this, uh, pr probably when I should be talking about, you know, machine guns or actors or w whether the doctor's wearing his jacket or not in that really weird bit in the forest. But I'm still not 100% sure. I don't understand. But, um, but as the faithful will tell you, you don't have to understand it all. 
just have to go with it.